Who are the Mountain Meisters? Committing to the goal and galvanizing you and your team behind that one single focus. Being at peace with that fear and being okay with it. You gain a real appreciation for your life and for what you have. Learn about their extreme lives on rock, snow, and ice five days a week with your hosts, Russell Wilcox and Ben Shank. Hey everyone, welcome to Mountain Meister. This is Ben. Hey guys, it's Russell. Before we bring in our guest today, we want to prepare you for what you're about to hear because it, it may be a little sensitive. Our guest today is Josh Wolf, and Josh is a really passionate backcountry snowboarder. Tragically, in April 2013, he and a friend, Mark McCarran, were trapped in an avalanche, and Mark actually passed away in that avalanche. So although Josh isn't a usual mountain maestro, he does have a very intense story that we feel the listeners could actually learn quite a bit from. And you always hear about safety, and you hear about education, and all these different things for avalanches, but... We thought it would be interesting to have someone on the show that has a very intense story. Yeah, and Josh is an experienced backcountry snowboarder. He's done 100 days each year for the past few years, and we really want to show that this can happen to anyone. We're going to jump ahead to Josh's actual story when he gets into the accident, kind of his mindset, and also, you know, what are some tips that the everyday consumer that is in the backcountry can take to make sure that they are safe. So we understand that you're a backcountry snowboarder as well. How long have you been uh, backcountry snowboarding? Probably about 10 years. You know, my first season or two in Colorado, I didn't ride as much backcountry, but I started going up to Loveland Pass, which is a really popular spot. And you can like take your car up to the top and get out and snowboard down to the bottom. And then you get picked up in the car and they take you back up to the top. So that's kind of where it all started. And I I was like, wow, I can get a lot better snow. It just seemed a lot more fun to be out in the mountains rather than confined in a ski resort. You average around 100 days a season snowmobiling or snowboarding. How many days of those would you say are in the backcountry? Probably about half on a good year. It all depends on the weather. Like some winters we don't get as much snow. So then I ride the resort more, but when the snow is really good, I'm out in the backcountry as much as I can. So to give our listeners a little background of what we'll be talking about today, last year, April 2013, Josh and his friend Mark were trapped in a 300-foot wide by 10-foot deep avalanche that tore through Vail Pass. And Josh, let's go to the beginning of that day. How did it get started? I met Mark in the parking lot of Vail Pass. Uh, It was just me and him that morning. We ride a lot together, so, you know, I talked to him the night before, and he said he was going to come up, and uh, we both ride there a lot. I'd been riding back there about six or seven years, and and Mark had been riding back there for like 10 or 15, and uh, the run that we were doing is kind of like a a standard route. There's a lot of people uh, that do the same route, and the cat, the snow cat does tours back there, so they plow a little like road that you can follow. What were the conditions like that day? I remember it was uh, pretty much sunny that day. There was a few clouds, but not many. And uh, it had snowed probably about four or five feet uh, in the week before that. Wow. Wow. That night, you know, it probably snowed about eight or 10 inches. So it was like a fresh powder day. The snow was really good. 
Now, were there other people there that day? Yeah, there was a couple other groups. I'd say there was probably like maybe like 10 or 15 people in that general area. Most resort skiers, I mean, they don't really carry much more than at most a backpack, maybe some water. What do you actually bring when you're in the backcountry? And uh, what did you have that day of the accident? Uh, Yeah, we had our avalanche beacons, which is like an electronic device that transmits a signal in case you get go under the snow uh your partner can switch his into receive and uh it detects where you are and kind of leads you leads you to the person that you want to find and then we had backpacks with like uh shovels so you can dig and then a probe which is like a long pole that you can stick into the snow to try to locate something that's underneath Russell and I have learned a little bit about the snow conditions and what you can look for when going skiing in the backcountry. What kind of resources or what kind of strategies do you use when looking at snow conditions? Yeah, in Colorado, there's a website. It's uh, The abbreviation is C-A-I-C. It's the Colorado Avalanche Information Center. Uh, it's a website or a phone number that you can call, and they do like a forecast. It's on a scale. Green would be really good, yellow, orange, and then red. Red is super dangerous, like don't go in the backcountry. And uh, they do an analysis of all the snow. They go out and dig pits in uh, all different areas of Colorado. You can check like for Vale or Aspen or down south by Silverton. Mm -hmm. So the first thing every morning or every night you read the forecast, see what the snow is like. They can tell you, like, if it just snowed that day, they'll be like, well, be careful, the top layer might slide, or there's a weak layer at the bottom uh, on north aspects or south aspects, and you can kind of get a feel for how dangerous it's going to be that day. And then you can dig a pit yourself, like go to the area that you want to ride, dig a pit, find the weak layers in the snow if they're at the bottom or at the top, so those are the two main ways. And then the third is just by like going every day, you kind of get a feel for it, you know, just by being out there and and walking through it and just looking at it, listening. You can look for signs, like if you see any avalanches around your general area or check the snow, sometimes it cracks or you can hear it moving. But anytime it snows a lot, you know that, there's going to be some sort of risk involved. What was the strategy that you guys used that day that you were at Vail Pass for monitoring the snow conditions? We didn't really discuss it too much that day. Um, we were pretty much doing the same run that we had been doing all year. And so, I mean, we didn't talk about it. Was just kind of ready for it, you know, just carrying the beacons and the shovels and the probes and and just being ready in case anything happened. Like, I didn't really think that that it was going to be one of those days where it was super dangerous, but obviously it was. So I've heard that about 90% of avalanches release on the first run that someone actually takes on the slope of them. Uh, what run were you guys on that day when your avalanche released? It was probably our fourth or fifth run that day. Is it down the same line? Uh, it was in the same bowl, but, you know, we always take slightly different lines, but essentially there's a bowl, it's about a thousand feet wide, and 
the name of it is the Abbey Bowl. Um, it's not very steep. It doesn't even look like it would be, you know, big enough to slide. It's barely steep enough to slide, but um, it's super wide and, and there's enough room in the bowl where you can do multiple runs and still get fresh lines. I was at the top of the bowl, like the rider's right side, and uh, Mark was dropping in the left side of the bowl. And uh, I was standing above this little like rock jump, and I was just about to ride off the cliff. And I saw the snow kind of like slide off the top of the cliff, like right as I was riding off of it. As soon as I landed off the cliff, all the snow was moving around. And I was trying not to fall, and I was trying to go to the side, but there was huge chunks of snow uh, moving all around me. Like some of them were as big as like a little car, and I fell on my back, and it kind of like pulled me over these rocks, and I could hear my snowboard like scraping, and I was trying really hard to stand back up. Eventually, I stood back up and then rode rode into the trees on the right side of the bowl. And I was really surprised that, that I'd gotten up. And that's when I started yelling for Mark. I was like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I didn't realize how big the avalanche was. I thought it was just like on my side of the bowl. So I rode through the trees and I came back out at the bottom and I saw that it was the biggest avalanche I'd ever seen. Now, when the avalanche starts and the snow's moving underneath you, what kind of thoughts are running through your head? I definitely thought that I was going to get buried for a second like real scary like I was just thought wow this could be it you know and I didn't think anyone was going to see me because from the bottom of the run you can't really see like the top there's all these trees in the way Mm -hmm. so I was like man no one's going to see me if I get buried I'm just going to be stuck stuck under here wow and then I was like really happy to get out oh sweet I'm all right and I thought it was just going to be a little like a little slide. I didn't think it was going to be that big, but you kind of lose focus the whole time. I was just trying to stay on top and I wasn't really looking down the mountain or up the mountain and I didn't hear anything. You kind of just go into this weird, super focus. Like it knocked down probably a hundred trees, but I didn't hear any of the trees getting broke because I was just focusing on trying to get up. It's weird. Like it happens really fast, but everything goes in slow motion and you have all these thoughts going through your head. So it's, it's really weird. Has your outlook on backcountry skiing changed? I mean, do you still go? I still go. It's definitely changed as far as I always knew it was dangerous. I just feel like the more you go, the more likely something is going to happen to you. If you only go five times a year, you know, your, your luck's probably going to be pretty good. But if you go 50 times then you're, you know, 10 times more likely to be involved in something. You know, I feel like definitely a little smarter about, you know, where I ride or when I ride. Definitely losing a friend will change change your outlook. I still go and I still love to go, but um, I definitely don't want to lose any more friends or lose myself. So, yeah. you know, I think about it. I haven't ridden as much this year as I have um, in the past years. And uh, it feels weird going back to Vail Pass without Mark because I just I miss him a lot. So I, every time I go up there, I think about it. And uh, it's just kind of weird not having him there because every day I was there, he was, he was usually there too. So, yeah, it takes a long time to really 
get over that. Like I'd never seen one of my friends die and, you know, been around that. I had to give them CPR and it was kind of like a horrifying nightmare to me. It was like the scariest thing that ever happened. So it, it's definitely been tough, uh, dealing with that loss. Even just like getting in a car or like anything after that, it's just, wow, like every day is just, is a blessing, I guess. And you never know like what could happen that day. It just really surprised me. Wow, Josh. Well, thank you so much for sharing the story. We're so sorry for your loss. And it's definitely a hard story to tell, but it is a learning experience for our listeners. And we just really wanted to, to share that with them. Yeah, Josh, really sorry. Thank you so much for sharing. Another thing that we wanted to talk about today was the International Avalanche Nest Egg or the Ian Fund, uh, which is putting together a campaign to benefit Mark's family. This is a really great nonprofit that collects money and then distributes it out to the families of avalanche victims. So right now there's a campaign going on for Mark's family. If you would like to help out with this cause, you can visit the International Avalanche Nest Egg website which is ianfund.org, I-A-N-fund.org, or see all relevant resources at our website, mtnmeister.com, on Josh's Meister profile page. Josh, could you talk a little bit more about the Ian Fund and Mark's family? Yeah, I didn't know Mark's family until after the accident, and I met them you know, at the funeral, and I knew that he had a family, and he always talked about them, but... uh I met his wife and his two daughters, and they were all really nice and strong. And uh, I didn't know the people that were in the Loveland Avalanche, but a lot of my friends knew those people. It really was a big loss for the Colorado community, the snowboard community. But I read in a magazine about the Ian Fund, and so I contacted them through email and asked if there was anything that I could do to help them or if there was anything they could do to help Mark's family. And uh, they said that they would set up a campaign, and I was really grateful for them to help because I just wanted to help Mark's wife, Donna, any way that I could. It's hard when you lose a father. You know, that's how I found out about them. And it was in Backcountry Magazine. I think they had an article about the Loveland Five, and they mentioned the Ian Fund, and so uh, I contacted them, and it worked out good. Yeah, Russell and I met the crew in Denver, and boy, that's just a group of unselfish, really nice people. Yeah, I totally agree. They're such a great organization over there. So Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Would you mind just giving our listeners just one parting piece of guidance so they can be safer in the backcountry? They do have a class, a level one avalanche class that you can take, and they just teach you all about the signs and how to travel safely through the backcountry. But I guess the most important thing would just to be know how to use your beacon. Uh, You can do little drills where they hide one beacon and then you try to find it. So that way, if you do lose contact with your partner, you can uh, search for him and find him. And, you know, just have a shovel and a probe in case something does happen. Maybe try to go with somebody that knows the area or has some experience. But definitely having the safety equipment and knowing how to use it. My avalanche instructor taught me the number one rule about avalanches. Like, there is no rules. Anytime you're in the 
in a mountain that's steep enough to ride, it's steep enough to slide. So as soon as you think you know everything, you really don't know anything. It's just always going to be a risk. Great advice. And, you know, I think the takeaway here is there are risks in everything we do. And it's about being knowledgeable and trying to mitigate those risks as much as possible. All of the resources that we talked about on the show today, including the Ian Fund, will be on our website, mtnmeister.com, on your Meister profile page. Josh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, I appreciate you guys throwing the word out there. Take care. Hello, Mountain Meister fans. Join us tomorrow when we have Alex Johnson, a professional boulderer on the show. Yeah, Russell and I had a lot of fun talking to her. I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. And we even might have a special free giveaway. Ooh. So if you guys also like what we're doing, uh, you know, we're, we're new in this podcasting world. We're trying to get out there. And one way you can really help is by going to our podcast on iTunes and submitting a review. Super easy, super free. Just take 60 seconds of your time, and it really helps us get the word out there. If you'd also like to join us every day, just subscribe to our podcast. They'll automatically pop up, and you'll be listening to us, having a good time every walk, drive, or run in the morning. <laughs>